1: 7.34, we're back at it again. Dan Salas with me, and also in studio is Anthony Hildago. Dan, uh, who's with me, is Coach Corona del Sol. 18 seasons, right? 19. 19, 19. Holy no crap. longer. Over 200 wins, yeah. Central Region Champions 2009-2010. State Champions in 2010 with a 24-2-1 record. How you doing, buddy?
2: Good, man. It's Sunday, Sunday night. Yeah. No good weekend.
0: Uh-huh. Uh,
1: and, and you had a
2: mind grade, I, I heard. I did, I uh, did, but I made it here.
1: And he still made it. That, that's commitment level I love. And Anthony Hildago, uh, captain of the Phoenix College Bears, uh, uh, helped lead the Bears to three national championship runs, all-American, and uh, two-time, uh, I don't know, you won state twice at Brophy? Three times or twice? Twice. Twice? So Anthony uh, is, is with us. He was a top 11 player out of our first national run. He's going to Gonzaga University. To uh, what are they called? The Zags. Yeah, the Zags. And their basketball team is out.
2: They, sadly, they lost. They yeah. Got blown out. Spe- speaking of of Gonzaga, when are when are we going to go, Coach Kelly, here on the pod? Oh, that
3: would be a good idea.
2: Yeah, yeah let's bring him on. That's it. Co- coach Kelly, you're, Coach you're, Kelly, if you're listening. So
1: next week, I have next week, I have Greg. Uh, I, I have Greg Johnson from uh, Chandler Gilbert or excuse me um gateway gateway and he coaches at arsenal and then the director of coaching uh David Belfort will be on
2: David Belfort's a good buddy of mine too Oh good tell yes. him to,
1: tell him not to be scared he wants to like be called in versus um, come out here Yeah he doesn't want to come in studio so if you tell him it's not scary you can come in studio
2: Dave Dave Belfort and I share um multiple players he had an an incredible oh boy was like a um with uh, when he had the Josh Drack on his club team, and oh, the, yeah. it was an Arsenal club team that was incredible. They went to nationals twice. Yeah, uh,
1: and, jo- and Josh Drack went to GCU and then yeah. left to University of Denver. Is he done?
2: No, he is at. Oh uh, boy, I want to say Nashville, Nashville's Nashville's oh, USL? USL team.
1: USL, okay, he's still playing. Yeah, yeah, he, he used to come and train here yeah. uh, in the off season.
2: And Dave, Dave Belfort, and I are fellow. Mac Conference foes. He's a Bowling Green guy. I'm a Northern Illinois guy. Oh,
1: wow! Well, uh, more reason to uh, mess with Dave. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, we haven't done a Jack and Jet battle. I know you haven't seen too many of these, if any. But, uh, yeah, uh, Jack and uh, Jet had a battle. We haven't done that in a while, so let's throw in the Jack and Jet battle. Sorry about that. I, I didn't Where really does, set that up. There's, they did a dribbling exercise and then tried to hit the crossbar, but they always battle. They have, have this, like, their How old the battle. oldest one? Jack is 16. And in, he
2: goes to? Uh,
1: millennium. Millennium. Okay. Yeah. Millennium, and uh, he goes by the name of El Rojo. He, he was named by the uh, Tuzos Academy when he was playing Tuzos. He was only redhead on the team, so they called him El Rojo. And Jets eleven, and you were going to name your kid
2: Jet? Yeah, we were going to name our nice. our kid uh, Jet, or Anderson. And my wife's at the time, I, I liked Anderson. And my at the time, my wife's boss last name was Anderson, and she wasn't really uh, fond <laughs> of him.
1: <laughs> that's how it worked, Anthony. So
2: she's, she she woke, she she came out and said, "I don't think that's a good name." And I said, "All right." And there was he went without a name for almost three hours. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, I digress. Yeah. Well, you probably should get right into it, right? Uh, so the cost,
1: cost of youth sports, and in particular youth soccer, is going through the roof. And we're, gonna, we're actually going to show a video right now, um, kind of just get this podcast going. And please comment uh, if you have any questions or you have any uh, uh, comments uh, that you would like to uh, voice. You're more than welcome. So we're going to start with this video, and then we're going to start talking about right now. The, the Ponzi scheme that youth soccer might be.
0: Soccer is now one of the biggest cash cows in the country. Families are paying thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars a year on their club, on private training, on futsal training, on camps, and anything else that would include like college. Not only is it a cash cow, it's actually a Ponzi scheme, where they promise you a high return, but they steal everything. They are completely ripping you off and stealing your money. Here's why. You play in the best leagues because you have a patch on your shoulder, but you're actually third tier. You do play in the best facilities in the country, but then the training you have is completely mediocre. But let's not forget that you do get the benefit of playing only your age, which nobody does to play at a high level. And then finally, the best part is, but you get the best uniform. Yeah, great, because that makes you become a better player, right? Youth soccer. Start with this. I don't
2: know. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there.
1: There is. So, yeah, let, let's start with uh, first of all, what a Ponzi scheme is. So it's, it's basically it's saying, "Hey, we're going to give you this. We're going to give you a pathway," and they underperform and undersell. So that's kind of like a Ponzi scheme, which will never end because there's always new parents coming in for
2: it. It's perpetual. And so, what it's, I like what he said there is, they promise you everything, and they steal everything out from underneath you. And you think about, you think about how um, they monopolize your time, your finances. If, if you don't play all year round, if you're not participating in this tournament, if you're not going to go to this camp, there's an ID camp, it's like every opportunity during the week and on weekends, they're requiring your athlete to be a part of this. And if you're not, well, you know, hey, you know, there's, there's always going to be that twisting of the arm, that phone call from a coach, and it's either the, the team above you that doesn't have enough players for a tournament or the team below you that needs enough players for a tournament. And you're wondering, isn't this a top-level club? How do you not have enough players? And then as a parent, you're saying, but I want to give my kid the best. And in turn, when they turn 16, 17, and guess what? That college isn't calling. Or the kid says, Mom, Dad, I don't think I want to play anymore. All that time, all that money that was spent because that club monopolized everything you had as a parent.
1: Yep. What is so? I, I was like, uh, so there. I, I heard it costs anywhere from five to eight thousand dollars a year to play club. So I'm like, uh, let's let, let's find out the exact answer by going to Chat GPT, and uh, it says the cost of youth soccer academies. That's what I put in, and and the response from AI says. In the US, it can vary widely depending on the number of factors, such as location level, competition, level of program, and other amenities. So it says it's on basically on the higher spectrum. Some of the top youth academies in the US can cost upwards of 10 to 15,000 per year wow. or more. These academies typically provide top notch facilities, professional coaching staff, and competitive opportunities at the national and international level. Holy cow. Um, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine uh, at Phoenix College, which we're a high level. Uh, Anthony last spring played um, UNLV, Cal State Fullerton, University of Washington, uh, Phoenix Rising, uh, Toronto FC, the USL. And we beat UNLV 1 0. We tied Cal State Fullerton 1 1. You scored against Cal State Fullerton.
3: Yeah. And we had an own goal, too. So it was, yeah. didn't really do anything. Who had the own goal? JP.
1: Oh, too bad you didn't have both. That'd be kind of cool. Um, but we went to UNLV, beat UNLV. Um, we tied uh, Toronto FC, USL. And, and I say that because I had to buy my players. Like Anthony, I don't know if you know how much money have I, I've given him a lot of money, like all of it. So uh, I pay for a school. <laughs> But I have to buy him to get him to play for me. All my players, I have to pay thousands upon thousands of dollars.
2: What do you mean by that? Clarify for someone that's listening. Scholarships. Someone that's listening right now says, what do you mean you buy your players? So, Anthony, he comes from high school. How does Coach Cameron buy you? What does that mean to me? I don't know.
3: Mostly just, just school stuff. That's, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. So, that's,
2: you go to Phoenix College for free. Yeah. And then books. Books. That's pretty much yeah. it, Coach. Do you have an average cost of what that might be? Too much. No, I'm just kidding. No, go I ahead. I mean, I, just uh,
1: so, so I, I'm raising. I have to raise to pay like uniforms, everything. Yep. Like I have to deal with this. I, I do get a budget, but I'm raising anywhere from twenty to fifty thousand a year. So to to make sure I have a competitive program and we can compete because I have to finance it. But if I had to depend on. Depend on them paying me, we would suck. We would suck. We, how am I going to get players if if I'm not providing the resources to be part of it? Because we're like a real academy because things are taken care of. And it, and it feels like it's never enough. We're always trying to get more and more. Correct. Do we have an echo? Is there an echo cancellation on there? Uh, Comment. Let us know. Are we echo?
2: I think we're okay. You know, when I was um – and it's it's crazy that you say that because um at Corona oh boy probably <clears throat> when I had it, when I had a really strong group of kids 2008 2009 2010 one of the uh the goals that I had was to make it as as a positive experience as I could similar to what you're doing so one of my goals um at that time was to raise Anywhere between ten and fifteen thousand dollars a year. And I think that's a lot for a high school at the time. Mm-hmm. At the time it was. And then once we started getting into having three teams, you had your freshman sophomore, JV2, your J V and then your varsity, then you're going to California for a tournament. Then you're, you know, you're, you know, you're trying to do everything you can possible to to give that high school kid an experience that they may not get at the college level. But you know, you're talking about I think the last three to five years. Don't call it COVID, but I'm saying we probably had a budget of in and out of anywhere between twenty and thirty thousand dollars for a high school uh, program. That's with our with, with including three different accounts, like your school account where you have to raise student funds, and then you have your boosters. Yeah, but all told, probably between twenty and thirty thousand dollars a year, and that includes everything that would go into outfitting three teams in a program. Yeah. Our,
1: ours is well into six figures because of
2: full-time coaches.
1: And, right. You know, well, yeah. And, and you I could imagine saying, you know, I have to bring in so many players in that have to pay a dues to make sure it happens. So how can you possibly compete if you can't grab the top talent? Yeah. Can't do it if it's charged. So that would be the problem. And in, in, in academies in Europe, they don't do that.
2: Do they, do the they pick, pay for pay do the players have to play for to play at the academy? Not if I'm all. a top, if I'm a top player in in uh, London, do and if I um, want to go to Chelsea, no. Am I paying? No. Are they going to say, hey? Are they going to say to Dan's parents, hey, we really like Dan, we think he's a great player. It's going to be ten thousand dollars for him to play at Chelsea. Is that the story?
1: Yeah. It, it's not the story. But it, it's because we have it backwards here. Because, it, as bad as it might sound is they sell. Players, they sell kids.
2: Right, but is but again, when you think of, you know, this, this MLS Next business, I'd like mm-hmm. to see the metrics. I'd like to see the numbers of how many players are they actually getting into the next MLS team. So if you have R, the RSL team, if you have LA Galaxy, how many players on those next teams actually end up on that first team or close to it? Or is that just, again – with the same Salisbury steak they've been calling Olympic development, the same stuff they've been calling the same Salisbury steak, it's just repurposed it, 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 it at ma- the highest level. It
1: makes everything average. It makes everything average. It's that's, like every, why, that, that's why our national it's team— It's like every
2: tournament's it, a showcase now. It,
1: it's Exactly. It, <laughs> it, it, it makes everything average because everyone's trying to do what they need to do to make that dollar. Um but it definitely will cancel everything out. Do we have any comments we have to address? Well, I mean everyone's just kind of saying all the prices that yeah.
3: they know how to pay. Is, is is there
2: is there any Arizona is anybody from Arizona commenting if they care to if anybody's in Arizona listening so we can we can be accurate with what we're you know kind of addressing here.
3: We got rising ECNL was thirteen hundred to fifteen hundred plus uniforms. Um, girls academy costs eight thousand. Wow. 8, Wait, go
1: back to the ECNL thing. It's
3: how much? That one was 1600 plus uniforms. Uh, but yeah. that, 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 that doesn't incredible. conclude
1: going Travel. to Surf Cup yeah. and stuff, and those are $1,000. So you got two minimum. Surf Cups now, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everything's Surf
2: so I So, again, like... I'm and, and by the way,
1: do you know how to add those to the show? Let's see. So it says add to the... Uh, you know, this is Anthony's first time running the show. He's, he's already... He's majoring he's in, in technology anyway, so he figures... That, he's our oh, producer. He's our you just click add to broadcast broadcast he's our producer and then to yeah well i just kind of dragged it over at that point but yeah yeah you just hit add to broad broadcast and they can you can just populate them as they come on
2: um but uh, let's let's address uh if if we can go down and down so it's 1600 for just that's the fees and then uniforms and again like what what i think is missing is they're going to say well we're going to go to does that sixteen hundred include all the tournament fees? Does that sixteen hundred include the travel costs to the four out of state tournaments if it's it's e c n l or if it's you know uh, e a or if it's m l s next like what they, they, how is the added cost just ballooning that
1: well, in order to get as much money they can get from families being paying for club right now, um, they won't tell you it's only Three hundred fifty dollars registration uniforms are only like two two forty. It's only going to cost like you know five to seven hundred dollars. We're good. And then they're like, oh, we're going to Argentina. <laughs> yeah, that's <Argentina. laughs> Once they have you signed, and they're like, oh, let's do this. We're going to do this. Oh, yeah. we're going to enter this. We're going to do that. Okay, you know, uh, um, I don't have endless pockets. And
2: I, if I can, if I can go back just for a second, when I asked all of those players that go to the the MLS next or the 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 EA or whatever that may be, I guess the return on investment, uh, what does that look like in regard to how many kids are playing at that level, 16, 17 years old, that actually get uh, an opportunity to play in college? I'm not saying a scholarship. I think that's going to be – that's not even a thing. But how many players on Phoenix Rising, RSL, go down the line – how many of those players from their 16, 17 team actually end up playing in college? Because you're getting, by the time you're 14, 15, you're probably getting told the reason why you're on this team is for the opportunity to go to college. So if you're you're talking 16 to 20 players on a club team, out of those 16 to 20 players at 16 to 17 years old, how many are actually playing in college?
3: Or, or if you think about it, you spend all that money and whatnot through all those years and I mean, I coached at Brophy this year, so I kind of saw it. Um, but a lot of our best players, no one wanted to play anymore because they're already burnt out because they went to <coughs> those four or five tournaments throughout the year. They're doing, you know, 9 o'clock practices at night until they don't get home until 11. Brutal. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's your, the whole other story of it.
1: Your brain only can take so much. And the stress and anxiety that we provide into the game – um, because we have to win versus have to develop uh, is just extraordinary it, it's it's child abuse at all levels and and we all we all have that human experience I mean we just had a game Friday and, and I, I I'm part of the pro, pro problem so I have my son's team here we're playing futsal we're, I was doing community outreach and we're doing the points game and um, I w- I didn't play one of the kids because it was of my opinion. He, he wasn't good enough. Now, it was a situation where I didn't I didn't recruit him to the team, and they just show up randomly, and mom came down and took her son out, and I felt bad. I still feel bad. I probably should have addressed that. But, but because he was going to put us, in my opinion, in a difficult situation of getting better as a team because you couldn't connect any passes, and we were playing a high-level team. We're getting just destroyed, and... Uh, it was a situation where, like, I want to win. I want to compete. That's normal. Now, I'm not screaming and yelling at the kids, but it's a normal feeling I have that anyone would have. Right. Um, but it's, that's what we're dealing with. It's just everything's just misguided as far as, like, we have to win. And then, and then you got parents. <laughs> you didn't play my kid enough. I was going to play him in the fourth quarter. It wasn't good enough. My kid, who's potentially the worst player on the team, needs to play right now, or I'm taking him. And Take him. They took him. And I felt bad, because it's, ki- it's, it's not the kid's fault.
2: You so I've got, a, I've got a bit of a, uh, an opinion on that. And I think where, again, you talk about the, the greediness of clubs. Um, you know, every, every club. Wait,
1: wait, let me cut you off real quick, please. I would have pl- played them if they were paying month- monthly fees to me. I don't want to get money. I might have played them because I need that money.
2: Hear me out on this. I Mm -hmm. think with the greediness of clubs where you go with three teams at one age group, and all three teams are playing the same amount of fees, dues, right? You're going to tell me that third team is getting the same quality of coaching as the first? And hear me out. If that third team, are they really – that group of players are they really going to advance in the game at all at the age of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen? If you're on the third team of a U fifteen club, are you really going to be? Are you really going to be playing in college, or you just want an opportunity to play? And so, if 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 clubs were to have two teams at each level, that's all the things we're going to do, and and it, allow some of the kids to say, hey, either you're not good enough, go do something. Oh, go play somewhere else, but they'll have a third team that we'll put together because we had enough kids at tryouts. And that's just let the kid know. Why would you lie to the kid and say no, and the parents say, you, you know what, you've got potential. Potential for what? Go learn another skill. Quit no. lying to the kid. It, You're not good at soccer. You might like to play, and that's great. We can find a rec league for you.
1: And and the thing it, we, we are so abusive in this country. Uh, kids, the, the top talent are born that way. They're, they're they're born that way. So, I I I had a, a player Naomi Aguilar. I had I had her father on because we talked about this because he went through the gamut of, you know, the pay to play and he should have stayed with me and kind of thing or whatever. Um, she was a goal scorer at three. I created a U four league for my daughter, Dakota. And I put all the top players. I recruited all the like the top three year olds. She was the top goal scorer at age three. She was born that way, and all the way to like eleven before she left. She scored five, six. Seven. We only won because she was going to score a hat trick, and she was unbelievable. And quit soccer a couple times. I convinced her to come back. She, I coach her at Millennium, and she ended up getting a scholarship playing at ASU, and she quit at ASU within. Uh, half half the season she's done, and it, it's because of all the like prior knowledge of just getting screamed at, yelled at, and not not being able to dribble, and she was a dri- she's like a little messy, yeah. And but she went to a club, and it's like you know one touch, two touch soccer. Well, she wants to dribble five girls and score goals like messy, and they're not allowed to because they have to win because they think system is the way to do it, or parents are in the ears. How, you, that girl's dribbling too much. They don't pass my daughter kind of thing. There's all these manipulation, and now she's not playing anymore, and she hates soccer. It, we have messies in this country that are destroyed because you can't dribble. Not allowed to dribble. How dare you do that? Comment. Let us know. Yeah, you, you, and you I think
2: if, if we want to go that direction, I don't know how many times I've been <clears throat> um, you know, at a youth, youth club practice, and uh, the the one question that I would have for coaches is, you know, you're you're working on some type of um, some type of a um, approach, some type of a, a tactical approach, and the kids struggle. Let's just say building out of the back, and half the kids can't dribble, or can't pass the ball correctly. They're using the wrong foot, they're using the wrong technique, and the coach never says anything just lets it continue, lets it continue, lets it continue. And then all of a sudden the game comes, and it just looks like monkey soup out there because now there's pressure on the kid, and they still don't have the right technique. So like when you say, like, allow the kids that have that skill to use that skill. Uh, yeah. But And again, there's time time and place, too, to dribble. But at the same time, why are we not emphasizing the technique and, and skill it, up until a certain age because... If you, ca- I don't care what kind of tactical system you're going to try to play. If kids can't use technique and the right, they don't have the ability. It all goes down the drain.
1: And ultimately, I know we're, it. It seems like, and I get a lot of questions like, you know, and people are scared to talk to me uh, if they're if they're a paid coach or whatever. I'm like, I have no problem with anyone getting paid. Mm-mm. Make your money. Just don't lie. Don't lie. <laughs> It's a game. How you want to do? Run your organization how you want to run it, but don't lie. Don't say, "Hey, we're going to get you pathway to pro." Don't lie. Be honest. You still make money. Yeah. Just be honest.
2: Yeah. And 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 it's almost like you can say, "Hey, you're you're playing with this club because it's a it's rich in tradition and rich in the experience, but you're going to pay for that experience." Yeah. You know.
1: And 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 ultimately, the the development of our elite it's us soccer's fault it's the organization it's not the clubs it's it's not the clubs job to identify talent no it's because they they're all about beholden to got to run a run a business and they don't want anyone taking their players or whatever it might be they 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 have to run their business us soccer needs to get involved and take over the top talent and stop spending millions upon millions of dollars on facilities for our national teams and educational programs, uh, making sure they have all the proper screens and stuff and, and things for the elite of the elite, but they don't go and try. They can make so much more money. U.S. Soccer, if they went in the inner cities and got the top talent and actually send them to Europe, correct? They would make a killing. But it's like the blind leading the blind. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's the craziest thing.
2: Uh, yeah, i've 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 always I've always said I don't understand. again how when you talk about identifying the talent and you know let's say you've got a kid that for whatever reason comes up with you know through phoenix rising or rsl or uh, you know what have you and the kid's 10 years old immediately they should be going well wait a second if you can can you play with 12 year olds can you play with 14 year olds How dare you? Right.
1: You're going to get him hurt.
2: You know, like immediately shoot that kid up. And if that kid all of a sudden gets to that, you know, 13, 14 years old and can physically, mentally, psychologically play with 16 year olds, it's time for that kid to be like, hey, we need to get this kid out here.
1: I I actually did a podcast. It was like podcast five. I talk about bio banding. So they actually came up with bio banding where they were determining uh, a kid's a uh, physical ability to play at a different age. And so they were approving kids to play up age, but they are doing it based on size and strength and power. I'm like, but not technique. Oh, like what do we messy would never make it here. <laughs> it's well, crazy. Well, there, I, I,
3: was, I just want to, uh, there's someone to comment something. I'll put it up real quick. And I know Dave will probably disagree with this because he already made a video about it. But, um, <laughs> uh, this is kind of, for me, the three sports and stuff and whatnot, um, parents and whatnot. It's okay if kids play other sports, especially, you know, whatever. Um, like, in high school, I played six six sports in high school, and I got cut from the higher-end club teams because of it because I, you know, couldn't be at every single practice and whatnot because I had games during the season for my high school sports. But, uh, um, I mean, I'm still I'm, – now I'm going Division One. So there's there's not there's different routes for everyone and stuff. what is
2: what is that question does it is it a question or a comment? Can you read that for me? It's far away.
3: Uh, uh so. so this hard now with sports. My kids played three um different sports and already at eight and nine kids are specializing in one sport. And yeah. that's
1: all they do. I mean so I, I I would I would pose this to you, Anthony. Would you be a better soccer player if you just specialize in soccer? Probably. Case in yep. point. So, so I mean,
3: it just—I mean, for me, a defender. Though, I mean, how much do we really work on defending and practicing and stuff? Like I—I I say it, I, I get my defending from basketball.
1: It's, yeah. Well, you know, basketball I actually was to learn through soccer because it's the same number system, uh, says our basketball coach here. But <laughs> but th- but to to your point, I I think athletes are athletes. So like. Zued Akuro, Zeus, we call him. He didn't play soccer growing up and he ended up starting for us, which I didn't think was a possibility. He was on our 2019 conference championship team. The most athletic thing I've ever if he grew up in America, he'd be uh NFL. He's so athletic. Uh that yeah, I actually had he was training my son yesterday how to defend corners. <laughs> I I I have a video, but I didn't edit it yet, but I'll show it maybe next week. But we call him Zeus because he, 40-inch vertical. He's a handball player, and he's just next level. He's just so athletic. We were looking for a goalkeeper, and we went to watch him. Like he's he's toe-poking the ball. I'm like, no, nah, I can't do it. And Carmen, my goalkeeper coach, says, okay, uh, let me work with him. I'm like, okay. He comes in and works with Carmen, but he's so athletic. We're like, you know what, Zeus, are you willing to play with us? And if we go PKs, we're going to put you in. He goes, sure, coach. And then the next thing we know, we're like, hey, we're trying to get seven on seven. I'm like, Zeus, can you play the field? Sure. He goes up on a corner, gets crossbar height, his whole body above the crossbar, heads it in. We're like, what the freak was that? <laughs> and so we go, Zeus, all right. Not only will we put you in for PKs, but corner kicks. We're gonna <clears throat> sub you in for corner kicks. <laughs> then then he started he he was learning the game because he's a superhuman, a superhuman athlete, and he ended up starting for us at the sixth position. And he, I could, I never in a million years thought an athlete could learn something that quick in a game of soccer. I've never seen it since, but athletes can figure it out.
2: Well, you're, I think you're an athlete. I think too, what what you were saying, Anthony, is there are so many different variables in each sport that you can take with the one that comes the most natural to you. So you're probably a natural athlete, but soccer comes to you easily. But when you played basketball, because you were a soccer player, it made you better at basketball. And if I were to say, Anthony, you're going to go, did you ever play football? Yeah. Okay. So in football, I guarantee you know in tight spaces one on one whether if you were a, a wide receiver, a tight end, a running back, it was you didn't have to think about your footwork you didn't have to, but what you also all those little things that you learned from those sports, the competitiveness um, yeah the the, uh, the those 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 the time that it takes to get really good at you know um, just just hitting that mid range jumper in basketball or the angles you had to take to cut to the basket are all so similar. And all those little things that I, again, that you learn in multiple sports. And I'll say some of the best soccer players are tennis players. um, Just because of the footwork
1: and UFC fighters. (laughs) It's true. The Brazilians, man. But, but to your, to your point, Dan, is um, the mentality side's different. The mental side of competing is different with someone that's probably doing multiple sports. That's competing, but, like, you've won state titles, not only soccer, but you've, you've uh, competed in pro footballs, no joke, um, back in the day. Are, were they any good when you were there? We were it's decent. Decent. Playoffs. Yeah. But, but, but you're in those situations. I, I think that's different. But uh, at the highest level, so y- you're thinking in America, you go to Europe, you go to Spain, like their worst players are unbelievable. Brazilian same way right so it'd be hard to compete with that they're just so crazy technical but you do bring a different i mean gonzaga's in heaven they don't even know it yet Hmm. i mean it says he can throw in the ball like flipping 60 yards (laughs) ridiculous like tactically right like he'll he'll get a throw and throw a diagonal ball skipping right right i think you got player of the game um breaking lines in the national championships, you did a throw in that led to an assist. Uh, oh
2: yeah, to
3: Zeke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was like a fifty yard throw too.
1: Yeah, he that he was nice. he's, he started the counter, and it's not just throwing and hoping. His is tactically driven, right? Right. Which is different. He recognizes switching balls and all that.
2: I got so a question for you though, Anthony. When you said that you you didn't get a chance an opportunity to go with, um, possibly some some club teams obviously you're good enough to play at a division 1 and i don't i don't understand why a club would say anthony we don't want you in the spring or we don't want you in the fall because you're not giving us a commitment even though you're like coach i want to go run track i'm going to do a, i'm going to run track and i'm a 200 runner i'm a i'm a hurdler you know and why not allow the kid to go do that but then, you know, understand, hey, when I come back, I'm all I'm all for you, Coach Cameron. I want to play for you. And I have a big, I have a big problem again with that with other sports or clubs again that dominated kids that said, Oh, we don't want you to play high school soccer because we want you to make a commitment to us. And I've always thought and in the mentality of the conversation should say, should go, hey, Coach Cameron. I really enjoy playing with you, but I've made also made a commitment to my high school. I enjoy playing with my teammates, the kids I grew up with for that experience. And I promise you on February 1st or whatever it is, my high school season's over. I'm all yours. But until then, my commitment is with my high school and I appreciate the opportunity. That right there is an adult conversation. And if you as an adult say, you know what, Anthony, that's not fair. I don't I don't know. That's that's just a, a bad adult decision.
1: It's horrible. They're robbing kids of high school. Yeah. High school is amazing for those kids to to represent your school, to get different crowds, to to be with different people from other clubs. It, It brings a bonding that never can change. I remember more. From my high school days, <laughs> than club anybody else yeah. than club exactly. I mean, it, it's the
3: closest thing to college sports, anyways. Because yeah. you don't. I mean, you go to any college game, they have fans heckling you and stuff. Yep. When do you oh, ever yeah. have that in club games? You, got, parents, you got you got, you got yeah, parents you, screaming at you right,
2: and you got grandma that made it out for the the Saturday morning game at ten. Exactly. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I remember so many great uh, high school games. I remember beating Brophy um, mm-hmm. in, in overtime. And I had a hat trick in overtime, and it, against Derek Burnell, uh, who was state president here and stuff. But um, he he's a, a now an ODP. He's a big player. But uh, I remember so many. Th- I remember when we played uh, Horizon in the region final, and we had a basketball game same time, and our game went in overtime to shoot. And the outs. game let out. The whole game that's came out. That's happened at Corona band, a couple times. Oh, isn't that the coolest thing? And they're all because it's their team. It's their their colors. We, we, I don't know how many, but it was so loud. And Mike Bibby played basketball. So it was sold out. Yeah. So they all came to watch us play and we won in PKs. Well, you can't was... recreate that. Club can't give you that. Club can't yeah. give you uh, 2,000 people in a penalty kick situation. Right.
2: No, no. And I, you know, we had, uh, so this would have been 2000, 2018. We went to, um, we went into PKs with Pinnacle. And it was a Saturday afternoon, uh, two p.m. game, and you know they they our 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 student or our our student section. I don't know how many we had it on video. It was packed at Pinnacle. I, I was a, I was there. Uh, okay. it was packed. It was, and what was great about it, and again I remember my wife, you know, telling me this. She's like, "Oh my gosh, those Pinnacle kids were obnoxious. I can't hear I'm them. It. I'm on the other side." But that's I love that exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I love that. As an,
3: I mean, as a player on the field, that's that's the greatest thing. Like Brophy and Shap are rivals, right? So spe- our our state final game was Brophy Shap one versus two, my senior year, and I mean, I knew a bunch of Shap kids that were in the stands, and they're all heckling me the whole yes. time. Every single time I was on their sideline, yeah. and that I mean, that's that's probably the most fun I've ever had playing playing a game.
2: And so, yeah. if you are playing, let me ask you this: Have you have you ever played at uh, let's say? Um, um, when you have to, I don't even call, I don't know if they call it a state championship anymore in club. Do they call that a state championship, or you just go on to some other league? I don't know. Uh, no I mean, no. Okay, I, so I mean, then, yeah. So then, how do you how do you even make it to like nationals or regionals for it, club? You got a uh, the state, the state. They have,
1: they or? have so they many changed it so they many, have so times. many pathways okay. different. Yeah. It, they, they minimize it,
2: yes, it, and there's no crowds. No, so that was my point. I wanted yeah. to know have. If if you were playing a club championship,
3: who showed up to that? No one. Maybe maybe little kids in the club. If we're an older team, right? But, and that's
2: but about it.
1: In the nineties, Anthony, Oh. state finals it. for club was huge, huge, huge. huge. I, I remember. Oh, and everyone knew. Like, I played an Asylum and uh, Cisco Asylum, and we we played um, another Cisco team, which they're called Arizona National. In the and we were both, and we, we, it was double elimination. And when we got to the third game of, because uh, we each beat each other, I think there were 750 people at the game at Rose Moffer, which is a lot.
2: Well, and, and again, and, I, and, I, and I'm saying coming, and from my experience being from Illinois in just south of the Chicagoland area, you had kids that were at the time, I, you know, probably 16, 17, that, It was legit state cup. And so you would have kids and I was the soccer 75s. That was like the top team. And, and so, but here's, here's the beauty of it. I never played on a really great club team. I I think I made the closest probably to a semifinal, the club team that I played for. But to your story, you knew who were on the other three or four club teams and you went to the game because every one of those kids was probably a division one player. And you're just like, wow, man. Yeah. There's like four kids going to Indiana. There's one kid going to Clemson. Yep. And you're just like, wow, look at these kids yeah. and how good they are.
1: You're, you're totally like, help me recall memories. Like, so I used to watch the Monarchs play.
2: That was the age up.
1: And they were stacked. They, they were stacked with talent. And the Hellions, those were the oh, top no, teams. And they all went D1 and pro. Mm-hmm. Those were the top players. And uh, I met Ray Walcott, uh, Jason Bannacore. Uh, all these players that now I can recall, but we would go watch them at Rose Mofford is kind of where everything was. Yeah, because we knew those top players were there. We were watching them, but now
2: where 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 do you go? I mean, so like even let's let's say this. Let's are those the MLS players now? But do like that's what I'm saying. Are those players playing MLS right now? Those top players, or are they are they are they out or? Whatever, or they just scrambling around, going, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to play for my high school. Yeah. and you have such a mixed bag, a potpourri of where's the best talent competing because yeah. when that, at that point in the nineties, uh, you were competing against the best.
1: How how did Greg Vanny make the national team go pro and play for Chelsea? How he played high school. Well, he, he, he took a break from club. You're kidding. How how did he do that? Remember the Brophy did the uh, replay game. So when Brophy and uh, Cronendale sold – No, uh, or, Marcos Niza. Marcos Tenis is tied, and they just they're, – they're co-champions. So 20 years later, they played the game again. Remember? <laughs> you, you didn't know about I heard that? No, no, I read it you in the story. A, I read I read, I read the story. Oh. Yeah, it was a big deal because Derek uh, Derek Brunel was on that team, and then Greg – they got <laughs> their teams together, and they played a grudge match or just <laughs> – I let's, wouldn't call it a grudge. Well, Those guys
2: can barely move. W- we won a champion. <laughs>
1: well, shoot, Greg was still, like – a year in retirement so he was fit uh, and uh Derek Pernell's always fit it was a good game well also oh here's a go little
3: ahead. here's a little sound clip from that s- state championship game like this is this is just from one of the goals we see it
1: play you know you can airdrop it oh I can airdrop it to the so laptop and we can see
2: it you know I was I'll, if if anybody's listening from um the Chicagoland area I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to drop a couple names and you had um. Go ahead. Oh, here you go. Yeah, it. go
3: ahead. Wait, when do you ever hear that in a, in a club game, remotely close to that? No.
1: Don't. You can't. You can't pay for that. No. Or they don't have the budget to bust people in. No. So.
2: No, but yeah. uh, I in in um. In Illinois, we had the the soccer seventy fives, which was one of the original club teams in in the nation, and it had uh, Mike Fisher on it. Now, know if Mike Fisher played at Virginia and was the Herman Trophy winner two times, and he was the first draft pick in the MLS, and he decided, no, I'm going to become an orthopedic surgeon. No thanks,
1: Mike Fisher. That is here.
2: No, no, no. Mike Fisher. This is a- Mike Fisher would have been. He was a University of Virginia player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but
1: he, he called it done, huh?
2: Yeah, he was he would he would have been the first draft pick. He was the first draft pick in the MLS. I want to say nineteen, so that would have been ninety three. It'd have been nineteen ninety six, ninety seven draft because he was at Virginia from ninety three to ninety six. Okay. Yeah, but but he's he's on the century team for NCAA. Yeah, and just the but that was the talent I'm talking about. Like you had oh, yeah. this, you had him and Mike Dunn who was, you know, they went to the same high school, Batavia High School. They went to high school, believe it or not, they played high school on the same team. One was the Gatorade National Player of the Year, Mike Fisher, and the other one was Mike Dunn. Mike Dunn goes to Duke. Mike Fisher goes to Virginia. Both played soccer, 75s. Both played high school. All four years, all four years at varsity. Like, but but, but you see where they got. We
1: were so confused on how how talent is created it's it's not created by clubs no it's culture it's your neighborhood it's your town it's (coughs) it's it's where you're from that that's where it's made like i I remember i was watching this um uh documentary uh this guy did a documentary of trying to identify why are high level elite athletes of the world come from these small little towns like um uh, the Kenyans to be able to run. They actually in Kenya, it's a small town in Kenya that produced like five world champions. Right. It's because of culture because they all ran everywhere, like to even grandma would run to the store. They 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 don't do anything like that. And then ping pong or table tennis, uh, table tennis. Uh, there was three world champions who grew up uh, two blocks. Right. Because they play, it's culture. It's the, the neighborhood gets played all and the time.
2: The, and you know, too, I'll say, I'll say this. Which, what's wild is, um, again, c- uh, growing up just outside Chicago, they have um, Team Chicago Soccer Club, and there's this gentleman by the name of uh, Hudson Fortune that runs the club. And when I was uh, in college, I had an opportunity to work at his facility, and it's a small little facility outside uh, Naperville, Illinois, called Play USA. And Hudson... The only thing he believed in, um, he was he a was, um, Brazilian as well. I think he did some type of missionary work in Brazil. But his philosophy with little kids and his camps were so incredible. All he wanted kids to do was do moves, do moves, do moves, do moves, do moves. He had three girls that played on the U.S. national team on the same team when they were all grown up. So you had... Um, his daughter, by the name of Leah Fortune, was on the the Brazilian national team because she had dual citizenship. And then there was um, um, uh, Vanessa Bernardo, who plays on the Chicago Red Stars, who's the daughter of um, 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 uh, DiBernardo. Uh, is, he played on Indiana, too. But anyway, um, there was one other girl played at um, uh, University of West Virginia. Uh, Rodriguez, I believe, was her name. But all three girls grew up from the time they were – Started soccer at four or five, all grew up in the same neighborhood. Like you're saying, all played on the same yeah. soccer team growing up, and all, th- you know, like that's incredible. And they were all within two blocks of each other, three blocks or yeah. three miles of each other. It's in the same neighborhood. It, it, it happened all
1: the time, but now it doesn't happen anymore.
2: No, it because I think exist. one or two of those parents gets greedy and like, oh, I got to take my kids somewhere else because yeah. that that girl's getting all the getting yeah. all the IG. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I gotta, I gotta get my, I gotta get my seven-year-olds on IG page so I can pump them up all the time. Well,
1: Santos, <laughs> Santos, 75, 76, Actually, 75, 76, seventy-five, seventy-six, seventy-seven, seventy-eight. But just within the seventy-six organization, Santos, a small club, produce. Pablo Mastroni, who played on the national team, Evan Whitfield, who played the national team, Duke University, Chicago Stars. Right. Um, Pablo Mastroni is coaching uh, uh, in Salt Lake for RSL, the MLS team. Um, th- th- Ryan Turner, who played at Notre Dame, um, d- just all this talent from one little group. group, and they played all over the world. All uh, just craziness, for, just because. And they-, they played high school. Yeah, they all played high school. No way. Yeah, how dare they? <laughs> Ironwood, Brophy, anyway. um, Deer Valley, you know. Uh,
2: and again, you crazy. can't tell me, you can't, I'm sorry, but you can't tell me that the the high school coaches, and hear me out on this, I don't know your high school coach, but you can't tell me the, the high school soccer coaches of the, the early 90s, the late 80s into the early 90s are as good as some of the high school coaches today. There's no way. And those yeah. kids played.
1: Yeah, my high school coach. <laughs> I
2: mean, come on, was a science. Was teacher. the cross
1: country? Yeah, he was science. <laughs> Tom Hetherington. I don't even. He was a science coach. He was. a uh, he was science teacher, and he was hilarious. Like he, everyone loved him as a teacher. Very loud, obnoxious kind of teacher. Right. But um, but we liked it as kids. Uh, I'm sure staff did it. But uh, twelve cups of coffee every day. But he he would always run with us too. I remember he would outrun us all and He's in his forties, but um, yeah. It, but
3: it, well, there, there's, we, we
1: somehow uh, uh,
3: made it. There's like a stigma, I would say, that all the kids know in high school and whatnot. That all the club coaches say, you're not going to get the same
1: training. Oh yeah, that
3: you'll get if you stay in club.
2: It, it happened to me. I remember. Um, I'll put up my training to any club coach there is. Well, I mean, ex- exactly. My, like
1: my my like, club coach uh, had me convinced to leave. Like I was not going to come back. And I remember telling my high school. Uh, uh, my high school uh, coach at the time, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm going to stay with my club. They had me convinced because they wanted me to play full-time there. And then I told them I was going to quit, but ultimately I came back and didn't didn't do that. Thank gosh. Um, but, yeah, they, they're always trying to get you to stay with them because they want those fees for 10 months. Correct. Yeah. Not eight. Exactly.
2: You know, and I, and I guess, too, you know, being being a former high school coach, the difference – and I think you might have asked me this in one of the questions, if it was this th- week or last week. Um, but the the difference from a club coach and being a high school coach, and you might know this, is especially being on campus. The, you get to know those kids so much more personally to be able to affect their 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 lives in a positive way because you know what motivates them. You know what makes them laugh. You know what makes them upset. You know what you know again motivates them to an, to a certain extent. And I'm not quite sure that the, the there and again I'm not I'm not gonna, you know, with a broad stroke say this with all club coaches, but do club coaches that coach two or more teams really know their players personally as well as a high school coach? And you're saying your 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 science teacher coach, what was his name? Tom Hetherington. Tom Hetherington does, and again, Tom may not know the X's and O's, but Tom, the kids knew who that guy was, and that guy cared. and And I think that that's lost sometimes is that is that parents and players like what you're saying the narrative of well, my my high school my high school coach may not be the X's and O's guy, but that high school coach cares more about you and your well being. Then that club coach may or may not. And but you may have a in, in my I might have a kid in my class, but or I may not, but I get a chance to see, hey, you know, every once in a while, hey, we're gonna have lunch today. Come in my classroom. I'm buying pizza. And we get to know kids. Um, or if we do something outside of school. I know we had a we have a PE class and we would have Champions League uh, tournament in the spring, and it was just as wild and as silly as I could make it. And the kids loved it, you know. And at the end, you know, you got a Gatorade shower and a, and a trophy for winning. But it was, it was something that the kids would remember because their high school coach cared enough to organize all that. From a club standpoint, when does that happen? When do you, when do you hang out with your buddies in club? Rarely. Rarely. They went and, to school with me. But unless they went to school with you. And again, like, how did you know if your club coach – did your club coach ever yell at you? Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, but like, but, but did they, did they, but was it more of circumstance or because they were just mad at you in the moment? Because they were mad at you as like, again, or upset with you because they knew you could do better, or they just upset with you because you didn't do something right on the field. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, like, exactly. Like, and I think that's where, that's where going back to your original statement, that narrative of, well, that, that high school isn't as good as club. Like, it's just different. But if the experience could be a lot more valuable in three months than you learn over nine months, you know, playing, you know. And did you get a chance to play for Kelly or no? You just coached along I with him? I
3: just coached with him, yeah.
2: Okay. And they're probably a considerable different style than uh, Coach Allen and then Coach Kelly, correct? Yeah totally different right but great guys exactly you know and they're both, they both they they have a different approach for sure yeah. and but you're a better player and a better person because you gave yourself that opportunity to experience those individuals that cared like crazy about you
3: exactly you know? i'm like what you're saying earlier about the teachers and whatnot and are coaches and stuff like mark would just have uh have FIFA tournaments every semester, <laughs> every single time there was a game on, it would always be playing in his art studio and yep. whatnot. And the, there would probably be close to fifty kids in his classroom at, at lunchtime every single day, and
2: like you don't get that anywhere else. No, no. And I, I, I wonder, you know, I wonder if it's, I wonder if it's a if we're we're all preaching, you know, both of us are sitting here talking, Dave, and I wonder if that. That speciality of that coach, that person is—it's a dinosaur now. That's what I feel my position has become. Like, how are you going to find? How are you going to find a, a recent college graduate like yourself? Are you—you're going to go and you're going to go to Gonzaga? You're going to graduate, and let's say you're going to major in English. You want to be an English teacher. Are you going to go to a high school and say I want to be the high school coach and get thirty-five hundred dollars for the season? And then go coach club. Hear me out. And then go coach maybe a team or two, maybe a couple U ten, U twelve teams, just to kind of get your teeth, you know, cut coaching, finding your voice. And then, hey, you know what? I'm not going to coach club anymore. I want to just stick with my high school for thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Or are you going to go? No, I'll go. I'll go do it for. I'll go do one team for twelve grand. You want thirty five hundred or twelve grand? you are going to take the twelve. Grand. You're going to take the twelve grand because I, that. My question to you, Dave, is. Is that person around anymore, that says I want to graduate college, and just coach high school, all year round?
1: Mm, yeah,
0: I like think it also
3: goes back to the culture of your school of where you're at, though. Okay, because like, let's say you're at a school that doesn't really give a crap about athletics, then yeah, you're gonna go play, you're gonna go to the club scene and get and get paid. But if you're gonna be like, you know, a school that has culture and stuff like. Corona, Brophy, all these bigger schools that have, you know, care about their athletics and stuff. I wouldn't mind staying around that.
2: Right. But it just, I mean, okay, just but kind of my sport. my question is this Are you staying around year round and not going to coach a club team, but so that you are running off season practices in the spring? Are you doing, are you going to run a preseason right after school in the fall? Or are you going to coach and club teams? Uh, like, you see what yeah, I just yeah. now? Exactly. My again. So my thing is like Dave. I know you're a cl- you're you're a high school coach. I guarantee that in if you wanted to in the spring right now, if you wanted to run, hey girls, we're going to do a fun three on three tournament. You would have the time to do it, wouldn't you? And then the summer, you're going to say, girls, we're going to do a morning workout. We're going to do futsal. We're going to do all this because so, you have time to do it.
1: Yeah. It, it, to kind of the decision I made in 2012. We had an average year. We were like 11, uh, 11 and 11, or we're 500, and it was bad. Like, I felt really horrible, and, and I felt the pressure of, like, I'm not doing enough for the – because I was doing club and everything. It was too much. So I quit club, and I put all my time and energy into here, which was a huge pay cut, 30000 Just invest time in here because I know, I know what the potential could be. Correct. And – 2013 came along because I put all my time in. We had our first sellout game. You know, I got the kids playing in front of 2,000 people, which eventually got to just under 4,000. Um, I, I was fundraising, doing everything. I, I, in 2013, they, I got them Copa shoes, three-quarter pants. Don't hold me to this and get mad. But um, I had them running shoes. They had indoor shoes.
2: The three-quarter We're, pants was important. Back, <laughs>
1: back, then, back then. They got a lot of
2: stuff. And but I put all my time and energy. So that's into probably it. where that's where where Brad Swemby got him.
1: <laughs> probably. And it, it changed everything. Like that's when PC elevated it was 2013, because I gave everything. Everything. Like financially, whatever. And and I, I made my life about that. And that's why we had success. What did you just say
2: you made what? I'm I, I made my what? life about that.
1: Yeah, I made everything about that.
2: Every you made yeah. everything about that. Yeah. I, and, I and, gave everything and, to this program, and who who benefits the most? The kids, hundred percent,
1: and I definitely benefit because I'm changing well, lives. Well, yeah, yeah,
2: but and that's
1: serving. Serving is a when, when you serve, you can you can come uh, overcome addiction, um, uh, mental disease, anything you can uh, you can overcome it. And who is Anthony? Let's talk to him.
3: Uh, no, okay. <laughs>
0: so I, I actually I, I love I, that I, coach. I
1: heard the, I heard this from um, uh, wow, what's his name? Uh, the the court uh, Ryan Leaf, right? Oh, yeah. So yes, Ryan yes, Leaf yes. came and spoke here and we had a chance to listen to him. And he talked about his story, about he, he lost everything, dr- uh, addicted to drugs, arrested, all that stuff. And he goes how he overcame his addiction was when he was in jail. He was serving uh, by teaching inmates how to read. And then it kind of clicked like he, had, he wasn't addicted anymore. It wasn't selfish about himself. He was about others and then to this day he still uh, drives um, uh, those that need to go AA. He drives them like Uber for free and takes them and tells them his story and stuff and has a talk and he goes if you want to overcome any addiction anything, any problem in your life serve others.
2: Yeah, he's he's great. He's got, he's, he's, he's done uh, I think Rich Eisen's uh, talk show and stuff like that and, and he talks quite a bit. It's it's really it's really um, um Like It's valuable listening to his, his story. And even he says like, I'm right now, what I'm doing is helping me. He's, he's talked about that. So, I mean, but yeah,
3: I'll give a little, another little experience too. Like Dave, like I'm only 21 years old and stuff, been out of high school for three years and whatnot. But my first year of high school, i made 30 high thirties. My, my freshman year or whatever, um, just by working all the time and whatnot and stuff. But, uh, this year I was probably barely made twelve thousand, and that's because I put all my time into either soccer of here and then the high school time. And I would say my my quality of life, if if you want to per se, was better this year than it was that first year. So, like they've said, yeah, there's it, there's a difference that you feel. So yeah, yeah.
1: and and I talked to uh, an alumni recently um, who played here, got a got a, uh, a got a pretty decent scholarship to go to a certain university, but he was struggling like financially, all this. He was living in the, um, he was living in the uh, uh, locker rooms. Like he couldn't afford to live and stuff. He was struggling, but he he was so happy but because he, That's he was incredible. And now he's, he got a, a, an amazing job and now he can, you know, he's financially set and now he's miserable. <laughs>
2: No, I I don't mean to laugh, but that's that's true. That's true.
1: That's why millionaires commit suicide a
2: lot. That's so. But um, you know, again, I I I think going back to the whole argument of, you know, what what do you what is a what is a parent gonna get out of club more than they're gonna get out of high school, and how do you how do you give a product to a kid that you know kind of um um satisfies that parents that parents need um and i think that's where i think parents get a bit jaded because they're paying for what they want to hear in club and you know it's like wow you know they they can be really proud of their kid you know in in either high school or or club but it's it's like that real experience that that kid gets that that being at a big game whether they're playing or not if they're part of that team and the culture makes the kid feel like he's part of the team, I think that's, that's what the valuable experience is, you know. You don't have to be the, the star of the team. But, again, for that parent to be like, wow, man, I'm glad my athlete, boy or girl, my athlete played, you know, and got that experience. I think that's, then, that's invaluable. The question
3: for that is then you ask your kid, what do you want? You know, are you happy, whatever, because high school time, you know, that 15 through – Uh, 18 years old time age or whatever question has to be, is what the kid wants to do. Cause I mean, yeah, your parent knows what everything like that and stuff, but the kid's miserable and stuff. He's going to, that's where they get burnt out.
1: Yeah. So, um, Dan's always breaking records for longest shows ever.
2: Sorry. No, no, I love it. (laughs) Like it
1: flies by. So we'll wrap it up. Dan, Dan well, I want to take some questions. Okay. Um, always take some, is there any questions we need to address? So there's uh, a lot of comments.
3: Let's see, let's see. That's, a good, one that's a good thing, Coach. It is, every time you're on. Uh, why are women's U.S. soccer
1: better at finding talent than the men's side? Well, I I, I think it's more of um, we have freedom in this country. And everywhere else, on the women's side, they don't have freedom. They, like, women are allowed to play sports. Uh, br- in Brazil... You know how they organized the Brazilian national team? Remember when Brazil beat the U.S. Um, 4-0 in the semifinals in, uh, I think it was 08 or some off year. But they, the the U.S. beat Brazil 8-0. And then the following World cycle. Cup cycle, Brazil beat us 4-0. How is that possible? Um, so the the coach, I heard from the national team coach, it was that whole Hope solo Drama that occurred. sure, and anyways, um, he asked the Brazilian national team, like, uh, Greg, uh, Greg Ryan, I yes, it was a coach. Uh, he, he asked the Brazilian national staff, and he's like, How, where'd you get these players? And so, what they did is they went to the streets of Brazil and found uh, 132 girls that were playing against men on the streets because they don't have anything organized for them, and then they just that's where they found Marta. That's I was where they, just going
2: to say. Is that where they found Marta?
1: Yeah, on the streets. Beast. So their 132 player pull versus our 120,000 yeah. pull um, beat us 4-0. So if if Brazil took it serious and really cared, and 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 they're always producing these crazy players, but they, if they put money towards it like we do, right. they'll crush us. The men's side. It's about money. It's about they have to have the best teams. That's why we'll never compete until we get our act right. But it's that's a great question. But it's also, you have to understand, it's a freedom. And that's why in Europe, they're they're actually taking it more serious. And that's why they're getting better. And it's just a matter of time. Yeah, Culture will figure it out. And then there's another
3: one. Where would you, uh, what age would you draw the line that it's appropriate to start paying more for practices per se? Like, you know, versus, you know, let's say middle school, eighth grade versus high school. Is that where you draw the line of where, all right, now we have to start taking it serious. The college journey starts to take place versus, or does it start back in like fifth, sixth grade? No. Uh,
1: it, it It's all, it's all dependent on what we're looking at. Because if you have the parent goggles on, you think your kid's amazing. They, they, like my my, my son's an ama- uh, amazing player. And you know, everyone's like, oh, he's going to go D1. No, oh, he's going to come to Phoenix College. Oh, that's has No, it's not. Um, a, like, I could say my son, like, if you compare him worldwide, he's not a uh, professional level. He might become that. I don't know. But the, I, that's why I had him against Zeus. Here's what a Premier League player looks like. Where are you at? He ran him over like he was great. I mean, it just, th- there's levels. Now, I just want my son to be happy. Just love, right. love the right. game. Exactly. I, I, if my son just loves the game and plays it for the rest of his life, indoor league or whatever, I'm the happiest parent in the world. But I'm not going to push for that. My, my son, you know how where he learned his technique? It wasn't for me. I put him in playing with Tuzos. The kids taught him. His coaches were average, if that. The players taught him how to play. Culture developed him. I always had my i was smart enough to put my son with good good uh programs release him to hispanic i mean, he was playing Friday night league at night i have video of him scoring goals where there wasn't any white kids on, on in the whole park it was totally illegal like no one had player passes nothing
2: <laughs>
1: and that's i put him in those leagues because no one the coach didn't speak english that's where he I threw him every Friday cuz I knew that was where you get better. It's not for oh uh you, your dad's a college coach. I'm I'm average. I I'm smart enough to know if I grew up yeah. in a Hispanic culture with my athleticism, I would have been a completely different player. Culture. It's always culture. You want to save money? Get them on two three different teams. Put them in put them in adult league. Yeah. Like the Hispanics play, you know, they're playing yes. 12, they're playing like 18-year-old an adult league twenty plus
2: yeah I think that I think that's true when you watch you know just I had the opportunity to call a couple games with um, San Luis this year, and you can tell just the physicality of San Luis against brophy oh yeah, oh man, the physicality against even you know in the state championship game perry just it was different I mean it's like they're playing against their thirty two year old uncle <laughs> you know, and then they got to go back to back home and hear about it. You know, so. um, But to go back to that question, he said, what what at what age do you would you expect to pay more? I think. Here would be a good barometer and and hear me out on this. If your kid is a freshman and makes a varsity soccer team, make sure that kid plays on a better high school, a better club team the following spring, the following year, if he's good enough as a freshman then I would say get that kid playing against better competition as soon as possible. But if your kid is a freshman in high school and just makes the JV team, keep them where they're at. Keep them where they're at. Maybe their sophomore year. If they make varsity, kind of gauge it. Where do you want to go from there? But if immediately they're on a freshman team getting a lot of playing time, man, find find a better club team.
1: Find a good coach. Yep. I mean, like, so I had my son at Tuzo's. to learn the culture till age 15, and we just moved him to Excel because we put him in front of Stryker Aguilar, who I think is a very talented coach as far as explaining the system and numbers. He doesn't scream from the sideline. I'm willing to pay for that. I'll I'll put time into that because I know uh, uh, Stryker, uh, Excel. I say Stryker. I don't say, oh, just throw him Excel. I say Stryker. I pick coaches. I don't pick clubs. Um, Great point. and, And I don't know... If my son is outgrown, striker, like, is there another environment for him? A different coach? If you can get your kid around a, a bunch of high level coaches, like, if Diego was here still, our coach, he, unbelievable. Exactly. Youth coach. I would go, I would go striker. If Diego was available, I go Diego. If I could afford V, I go to V, you know, kind of go that route because I want my son to learn. And it's better to learn from many coaches versus if you get one bad coach it could end them. destroy you end them, you and you would pay mass money to avoid that
2: yes yes So be
1: very careful
2: yeah yeah and again right with that too i think parents parents be be mindful if you want a good coach that may that may mean less playing time because there's a lot of good players on that team but the fact that they're getting that training that mentality uh, there's i've got a sneaky suspicion that that good coach is going to mind bend the kid a little bit and make him understand, no, it's okay. I'm not getting a lot of playing time. The fact that I'm with this guy two to three days a week is what I'm, is what's worth it. Yeah.
3: I mean, I'll say that about Diego, the stuff he talked about all the time and whatnot. that still plays a huge part of my life right now. And it's almost a year and a half later.
2: And
1: I'm still trying to, uh, to learn it because Diego did like Diego played. uh, uh, He played at SMU, all American uh, Lost in the semifinals nationals in played in the World Cup, the Club World Cup, which is a big deal out of mm-hmm. Brazil. And then he played in uh, Austra- Asia, Australia, Australia. like high-level pro. And he says this. He says if he could do it all over again, he, if he learned how to deal with mindfulness and learn like the teachings of power of now, to learn how to, to breathe and, and control your energy and stuff, he said he would have been a completely different player. Mm. And I've jumped on that. Like so Anthony was part of our first region championship, which Phoenix College, we're, th- we're the only team to ever on the men's side, the only team to ever win it is PC. And we've won it back to back now. But our first year, we, we started off tough. We lost our first two games. I've n I have I have not lost our first two games since like two thousand twelve. Like yeah. it it was like and very
3: it was like four zero, four one, something like that. Too? No
1: one zero we lost we lost three in a row. We yeah. lost a Pima at Pima 1-0. Then we lost a Western 4-3 in overtime. And, and then, then and then we lost a PV, which is unacceptable. And we lost like 4-2 or something. Yeah, It was bad. But we were focused on power now and the energy and, and starting that way and then finishing the way we finish. And how we finish, this is like the craziest thing. So we've been focused on energy and power now, all the, you know, Earthly stuff that people are like whatever, but for me, I need it because I'm a little nuts, and I need to calm down <laughs> and so we, I don't know anything about that we, so we make the championship game, we're playing in Tucson, and it was like we're we're the refs are robbing us, um gave them a pK and luckily got overturned. They were down one zero and but the sideline, and everyone was okay, we weren't angry, we're just Staying focused and energy was good. And you felt it. You felt the energy. And we just knew we were going to win in a place we have never won. PC's never won at Pima until two years ago. Yeah. And now it's on repeat mode. But um, the – Well, Pima was the national championship too. Yeah. So, they, in, so yeah. that's, the, ca- that's incredible in, the competition. Reigning, the reigning national champion versus us. Yeah. And we had to win to go to nationals or we're not going. So um, we were down 1 0. We tied it in the second half. We went in overtime, went to PKs. I thought we were the better team, but we weren't getting any calls. And we're in somewhere where we've never won as a a program, never won there. Um, Oh, under my coaching, I I won there as a player because I didn't lose um, back here when I played for PC. But, anyways, but we ended up winning. In shootouts where we knew we were going to win, especially Bobo. Bobo bought in our keeper. Oh, yeah. He was all in. He knew we were going to win. Everyone knew we were going to win, and it just felt that way, and you felt the energy. And when, when we won, uh, me and Diego, instead of sprinting to celebrate, the kids all did that. Me and Diego just, just were just taking it in. We looked at each other, had tears of joy, Yeah, gave each other a hug, and it was just like it was amazing. It was the coolest environment. Um, be, be a part of it and so I got a glimpse of the power of shared energy and being on the same page and yeah. all that and just not freaking out and just being calm um, it was such a cool experience and uh, and remember we had some coaches that didn't finish with us because they were out of control screaming yelling and when we removed that it was a good thing because it, it, one person can ruin it all yeah. energy everyone has a buy in it was cool, and I'm and, and constantly trying to figure out how do I get back there, how do I figure it out, and maintain that. And that's that's a hard. That's a, yeah,
2: that's a tough that, puzzle. That's
1: why I like coaching. It, c- <laughs> it never can be figured out, right? And how to manage having the tactics, the, the the talent, and the the energy, and trying to help save lives through the sport of soccer, um, because it does. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's such a cool. And it's hard because you're also trying to save your life. So you're like, and your family and all the other things. And you're pulled so many different directions, but there's moments you can figure it out. And it's just pure
2: joy. Pure joy. So pure joy. Yeah. Well, Anthony. Thank you, man. You did a great job tonight. Yeah. Let's you. end it on that, Dave. Nice yeah. job. Yeah. Sorry. Right.
1: Hey, thanks for uh, tuning in. we'll be back next Sunday, 8 p.m. Mount Standard Time. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Spotify. Uh, YouTube, like, and subscribe. Be part of the podcast and help support. Obviously, comment, hit the notification bell, all those things, and uh, help thanks, support Thanks this to podcast. all the
2: people with the comments.
1: Yes, thank you for participating. We'll be back next Sunday, live, 8 p.m. Mountain Center time. Thank you. Thanks, Dan.
2: Thank you. No.
1: Oh, Where's it say that at? At the bottom. <laughs> oh,
0: you never show me that oh, Finish? Yeah, I get finished. Oh.